Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is John 3, verses 5 and 6. It's nestled in the heart of the Gospel as appointed for us for this Holy Trinity Sunday, which is good for us to hear in its entirety anyway, because it's God's Word given to us. So to start out today, I will read the entire lesson, chapter 3, starting on the first verse, and then reading through to the 17th, and then we'll get into the text. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. As far the text, I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you give us in your word. And we thank you, especially today on Holy Trinity Sunday, for the blessings that you have given us through yourself. As the Heavenly Father, you've given us grace. As the Heavenly Son, you gave us our redemption. And as the Heavenly Spirit, Lord God, you gave us faith to believe these things. Come into our hearts now by your Spirit and bless us with faith to receive your word. As we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, friends, Nicodemus and many of the other Pharisees knew that something was up. Their house, so to speak, was abuzz with conversation about it. There were too many signs, too many miracles to be coincidental, and it couldn't be denied anymore. Jesus was sent by God, and God was with him. But what did it all mean? Prophets of old would come before Israel with messages from God. Some of those message would, messages would be spoken. Others would be played out in the life and by the actions of the person that was sent to them as a kind of a living parable for all of God's people to see. What was this man's message? 
Would Jesus bring good news for the children of Israel, or would it be bad? Would Israel be blessed by God, or had they somehow fallen from God's favor and thus through Jesus be forewarned of God's coming wrath? As a Pharisee, Nicodemus would have certainly hoped for the former that Jesus was about to shower Israel with God's blessings because theirs was a righteous house. They were, after all, descendants of Abraham and their leaders, keepers of the law. Who, more than that, could be any more righteous? Well, we could, depending on the source of our righteousness. If the source of our righteousness were ourselves, if we saw it as the Pharisees did, embracing our inheritance, our righteousness, as our inheritance from our parents, or basing it upon our meritorious work, we'd be lost. We were not declared righteous because of our parents, but instead came into this world as sinners, just sinners such as they were. They were born descendants of their fallen father, Adam. We were never made righteous by our actions, merely occupying a church pew here. No way has ever made us holy. No splintered backside could ever produce such fruit. Now, that's not saying that attendance in church is not needed. Our righteousness comes by faith, which comes by hearing the Word of God. Our righteousness is lavished upon us as a body of believers from the moment we invoke God's name here at the beginning of a service through to the benediction and the last amen of our closing hymn. We get wrapped up in great and blessed robes of righteousness when God absolves, uh, absolves us of our confessed sins and when he gives us the very body and the very blood of his one and only Son in his holy communion. If we miss church, if we come, become complacent, miss sitting in these pews, or even worse, if we despise God's word and refuse to sit in these pews, we miss all of those good things which God intended for us when he baptized us into his name. That's where the righteousness gets its foothold in our lives. It happens when God welcomes us into his holy family, just as Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in our text this morning. Truly, truly, unless, uh, um, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, he struggled to see that at first. But Jesus, who explained it to him with words, would also explain it to him in action. Jesus would live it out right before Nicodemus's eyes, becoming, like so many of the prophets of, old, of the Old Testament, a living parable. Just as Moses was, uh, had lifted up that bronze serpent for the children of Israel to see and have hope in if, if they were about to die when they were bitten by those fiery serpents in the wilderness, Jesus allowed himself to be lifted up on the cross for the whole world to rest its eyes upon <laughs> to see Jesus and live. This is the great difference between the prophets, and old, uh, prophets of old and our Lord. He, in keeping with the Father's will, could lay down his life for our sake and take it back up again for the sake of the world. And we, for the sake of the price paid, were gifted to receive it to receive it and blessed to trust in it. The fullness of God is encapsulated in all of this. Having been named the beneficiaries of the Father's uh, gift, 
of salvation through His one and only Son. God helped us to come to that saving knowledge and trust in His promised resurrection personally through the workings of His Holy Spirit. All that so we could be included in His family by rebirth. There's our righteousness. Nicodemus must have wondered at this, especially as he looked upon his own people after the resurrection. He must have reflected on the Jewish nationalism and the works righteousness that his fellow Pharisees were still proclaiming. And he must have reflected also upon his conversation with Jesus in the still of that night when he came to see his Lord. Having witnessed Jesus' death and being there at his burial and Having known of Jesus' resurrection, Nicodemus surely must have reflected upon Israel's rejection of everything that transpired and wondered, how could this possibly be? They will never be his children if they don't receive him. But then he must have also remembered his own lack of understanding and how God transformed his unbelief to belief and recalled what Jesus said to him in the still of that night. God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So there was a proclamation. So there was a furtherance of the kingdom through the word that people like Nicodemus would have proclaimed, that the apostles would have proclaimed, and that we proclaim now. May we be blessed in that thought today and in the days ahead. Our key verse for this Holy Trinity Sunday is a familiar one. It's a summation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and indicative of the gracious workings of our triune God as given to us in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Father's love the Son's atonement, and the Spirit's faith are all mentioned here to our benefit. Once again, that's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. May God keep you safe and blessed into his care, and especially into his salvation, safeguarding you from sin and drawing you to his holiness as his children, now and to all eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, your gracious love was showered down upon us through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it just didn't stop there. We, as a broken humanity, couldn't see, couldn't believe, couldn't trust. You sent your Spirit to us for that sake. As a holy and blessed Trinity, you blessed us. We thank you, Lord God, for your, for your great care, for your compassion that saves, and for your love that lifts up. And we ask that you bless us with words to proclaim your glory, your greatness, to the rest of humanity that no one will be suffering under your wrath, but instead be saved. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. And amen.